This is TDPS. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at facebook.com slash the dinner party show. No, I meant in the car. Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. (laughs) We did our opening with flying colors again today, this week. Should we be honest with people that this is yet another remote recording conducted during the COVID-19 pandemic? No, let's lie to them about it. <laughs> let's try to act like we're back in our usual studio. Even or maybe we could talk sounds. some more about the opening, because that always makes a fascinating start for the show. <laughs> what are your thoughts about the opening, Eric Jaquin? Well, I'd never think about it at all, Mr. Rice. <laughs> That's just because you're mad because in the opening you go second. Yeah, that's it. That's why I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> You've been mad your whole life. You've been mad since the day I met you. That's not actually true. I just just been in like a bad mood for sixty something years. Absolutely. Quoting Steel Magnolias in the first thirty right? seconds of the podcast is always a sign that we have a lot to talk about. But we do today because we're doing another installment of a very special new feature here at Christopher and Eric, which is called Ask Eric. We're calling well, really, it Volume We always three. have a lot to say. Yes, volume but it, three. Always, it always goes better. Yes, we did the first edition of Ask Eric. I can't remember what the question was that we asked, but I think it was um, if you could go back in time and maybe say something to yourself, what would you say and why? Oh, and I see. Okay, all right. Yes. I get it. I get what you're talking about now. I was like, did I, have I blanked out on answering questions on three different other shows? Like, no, these are the, this is when people answer questions on the Facebook page and we talk about their answers on the show. Absolutely. And ultimately we put the question to you because it's really only your answer that anybody here at TDPS cares about. Really, it's only Eric's answer that matters. Really? Well, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> anyway, so uh, and then the second edition we did was about basically working from home. We thought even though we make every effort to do what we call evergreen podcasts here at TDPS, which means if you stumble across this months and months from now, we believe it will be as enjoyable then or as not enjoyable then as it is now in this current moment. We did because we are writers who work from home and do most of our business from our homes. We thought there were certain things that we could share, you in particular, with our listeners, our party people, as we call them. And that was volume two of Ask Eric. And so now we have arrived at volume three. And would you like to hear what our question is, Eric Shawquin, uh, given that oh you are going to have to answer it? Yes. Could we? Yes. Let's if, hear what the question is, Christopher. If you had to spend the rest of your life being <laughs> one age you've already lived, what age would it be? And why? So we put the question to our Facebook people. 
Then later we're going to guess what celebrities' names were before they changed them. <laughs> you to need be to movie stop stars. bringing that up. You need that's that really my one favorite time. Was it was Christopher's game. Okay, do you want to explain it to people? You need to explain it now that you brought it we up. We were trying to do like a, a, sh- a game on the show because we went on somebody else's show and they did games or something and we thought it was fun. So Christopher came up with a game wherein <laughs> you tried to guess what the celebrity's name was before no. they changed it. So you tell them that it's Doris Day and then you guess what her name was before she changed it to Doris Day. But really... <laughs> I think that's I got a it terrible backwards. game because there's no way to do that. You have to do it the other way. But Christopher sincerely presented that as the way to play the game. And it's even worse than that. It's even worse than that. It was an actual game that somebody else had played. I, I don't know. I think it was like a listicle or a magazine article. And I reversed it when I presented it on the show. So I think, right, the way you play it is that you get their birth name. And the idea is there might be some similarity between their name of origin and the celebrity name that they ultimately picked. <laughs> Instead, well, you're just like, an old movie queen, and you happen to know that Doris Klapelhoff used to be Doris Day. Yeah, absolutely. So um, now that we've relived that embarrassment, that past embarrassment, and when we say that was on the show, that was actually on our other show, the Dinner Party Show, and all of those episodes. Because we because there's no you. games on Christopher and Eric presents. Like we don't, this we is don't play. We don't fool around here. This is serious business. This is serious business. We're either talking about a true crime special that we watched on TV. That's going to be next. Our next always episode. serious. Oh my god, super oh, serious. Okay. Super serious. Or we're talking about a way more serious topic than that, which is dieting. Dieting is very serious, particularly if you're as vain as we are. Oh, yes. my God, yes. It really is yeah. all the time. Yeah, it's a constant. Well, every day is swimsuit competition in West Hollywood, so you kind of have to be on your game. But if we're not having to leave the house, which has been our situation at present, you're, you're, you're at, we're all out of the game for the moment at least. Yes, I'm focusing on the fact that a manatee also has a swimmer's body. <laughs> Hold on a second. Uh, I think you made that tea go down the wrong pipe there, Eric uh, Chalkwin. Yeah. Well, that, that means it'll be the caffeine will be extra effective that way. Yeah, anyone who can swim has a swimmer's body. If you can swim, you have a swimmer's body. What was the old joke about gay AOL back in the day when the chat rooms were a big deal? He says as he rocks in his gay rocking chair on his gay porch, there are not enough swimming pools in the world for everyone on the AOL chat rooms with a swimmer's build. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Sure, that sounds about right. So, getting back to our question of the day, it is... It is maybe it's about aging in kind of a sidelong way. It's about aging. And when the answer started coming in on Facebook, and this is just a reminder that the Facebook page for the Dinner Party Show is where we talk to the wonderful supporters of this podcast and all things TDPS. That's uh, the Dinner Party Show is what you search for on Facebook, and we have a blue check mark and all that good stuff. So this is where we pose that question. This is where we got a lot of answers. And I, of course, being the pedantic sort of guy that I am, like to divide up the answers in my head into various categories because people went about the question in various ways. And I think the most common sort of response we got is, well, I want the body I had at this age, but I want the mind and the maturity and the wisdom and the experience that I had at this much later age. Is that 
<laughs> did you look over the responses and notice that trend? I have to say that's kind of yeah. I but it makes sense. Like it, I, I think that shows some general wisdom in the face of the question. You know, like that that makes sense to me. Like I picking a particular age. I was interested to see because of the question if people actually had you know, a particular age that they would want to return to or, mm-hmm. you know, a, a high point in their lives, if you will. And some of them did. We had one. I want to single this response out because I think it was unique and it's actually it's at the end of our show notes. So forgive me for that, Eric Sharkoin. But we had one person, Frederick Bertolt Fritz Richter, picked a decade. He didn't pick an age. Uh, he didn't pick a physical or mental age. He said any of my years spent during the decade of the 1970s, which were for him his tween to teen years, he said, right. never have I felt so safe, so secure, so loved. Good friends, record stores, LOL, no cares, no real worries. I miss those days more than I ever thought possible. Betty Davis was correct. Old age isn't for sissies. Yeah. Yeah, no, that time period in life, if you hit it right, is like I had a ball in high school. I had a, a great time, although, I don't know, I also had, he must have grown up in, either he's a straight guy or he grew up in a really great liberal place. Because um, mm-hmm. that, you know, what I couldn't have gotten rid of was the um, the, the lack of acceptance. Let's go mm-hmm. with that. From and this the time is- period, but... But yeah, the teens to 20s. And it would also coincidentally have been the 70s. Um, yeah, that was, a, I, I had a great time. But I always have a great time. You were in the South during the 70s, is that correct? I was in Columbia, South Carolina in the 70s. And while I did have, you know, like I was a popular kid. I, I finally reached around 16. I finally got to a place where the other kids... They weren't okay with me, but they kind of got it. Like, mm-hmm. I was really funny, and I was really talented, and so they could appreciate me for that. They still, you know, called me ugly names and pushed me into walls and stuff. But, mm-hmm. in general, you know, they were, um, they also bought tickets to see me. You know, like, mm-hmm. so there was a positive, and voted for me to be a senior superlative and stuff. So, there was... There what was, was a, a senior superlative? Su- Wait, I have you to know, ask you what um, that was. I was most I was voted most talented, but there was, okay. you know, best sense of humor and most likely to succeed and all of those other things. I really right. should break out that annual and see if any of those things turned out to be true, other than me, of course, being the most talented. <laughs> but yeah, I remember my father waxing rhapsodic in this way about the forties. Right. He was saying, God, I missed the 40s. Everything was great in the 40s. And I'm like, you were like five years old. That, and everybody, and yeah. your mother was caring for you. And the world was in crisis. You. Yeah. So yeah, I, not, not to trash Frederick's response here, I think that, that there is, like, I have a similar feeling about certain things that existed in the 80s, even though there were other aspects of the 80s that were absolutely terrible, like the Cold War yeah. and AIDS and and Ronald Reagan um, and a lot of other things. But there were things that, that I get very nostalgic for that make me What if you say his name three times, he'll be on the show? (laughs) I don't know. I just always entertain the idea that we might have like one or two um, 
conservative listeners laughed. Well, I hate <laughs> Ronald Reagan. He's one of the worst people who ever lived. How's that? Let's let's cover That's it. What we you said get it twice now. Ask Eric. Don't say it. Don't say it a third time, or you'll be on the show. <laughs> That's what you get when you ask well, Eric. Ass yeah. kicking, uncensored, un, un yeah. Un, yeah, I don't un- care who moderated. knows it. I think he is yeah. responsible for everything that's happening today. Yeah. Well, well, go. What do you mean when you say that? Since we're already, I there. think all of this started forty years ago when he got elected. This period of selfishness, this upward migration of wealth, this um, concrete income inequality, this. Uh, government deficit spending, this idea that there was something wrong with, he's the idiot who said, I'm from the government, you know, the most scary words in the world are, I'm from the government, I'm here to help. Like, Mm -hmm. where would we be in this moment of this crisis if Mm -hmm. we didn't have at least some government helping, and yet we also have a pervasive attitude of the government is a problem and should stay out of it in the middle of this pandemic that's killed more people than the Vietnam War so far. I just... Yeah, no, not my favorite. I just, it's a philosophy that I really don't agree with. And mm-hmm. and I think he also began the era of um, telling voters whatever they wanted to hear and then just doing whatever you want to do once you get elected. And I right. think that's, I think that's really destructive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I could go on and on. Like he and Maggie Thatcher were uh, two of the worst political influences in the history of the world. And I'm... I don't really care who knows. I really, I'm not a fan. Yeah, go right ahead. Go right ahead. It's Christopher and Eric, and Christopher's got no great love of Ronald Reagan either. He was just about uh, six years old when he was in office. But I remember, I remember a lot of that era. So I will say this. We were saying earlier, did, we were interested to see if somebody picked a specific age. William Matson did. He said, I would love to be 35 again. I was in great shape, had a great job, and had the confidence to go anywhere or do anything. How lovely. I keep shooting for that. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> wow, William. Like a, that's amazing. He was a superhero at age 35. But, I, you know, I have to say, I, I, I'm not sure I really have answered this question for myself in my head, but... I think it would be somewhere around 35. I, I'm not one of those people that thought, and you were telling me this because we've been friends for so long. You were saying there's a moment when your 30s arrive when people start taking you more seriously in general than they did when you were in your 20s. Everybody kind of valorizes your 20s as this time of when a lot of people might want to have sex with you, basically, or like you're desirable and you're young and you're cute and you're all these sort of things. But your 30s, the positive sides of adulthood start to show themselves. You know what I mean? And so I I would probably be in the the 35 camp. I feel like we need to work up to your answer, Eric, since it's Ask Eric, you have the ultimate answer here. But I'm sort of like, I I, I think, you know, like (laughs) we'll get little pieces of your answer along the way. Um, Sure. I I think we'll bring in the orchestra to play the big build-up. I'm 
Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Christopher and Eric is a production of the TDPS Network, which mm. you can support by visiting thedinnerpartyshow.com or www.tdps.tv. And by clicking on the gold Amazon box at the bottom right-hand corner of the home page, you'll ensure a portion of your subsequent Amazon purchases supports podcasts like this one. The same is true if you use any of the buy links on our website as well. And the dinnerpartyshow.com and tdps.tv is also where you can find all the episodes of our other podcast, The Dinner Party Show, which is full of celebrity interviews and sketch comedy that's gotten us banned in 20 states. That's not true. A man can dream. All right. Well, let's dream of everyone supporting our website. That way we can avoid putting an ad in this spot for a crowdsourced skin surgery hour. Okay, so Angela Bartow, much like our previous answer, said that her ideal age, and again, the question was, what age do you want to live forever that you have already lived? So you couldn't say, well, I wanna, I'm 40 now, but I want to be 55 for the rest of my life because I'll know five more years worth of stuff than I do now. So Angela oh, Bartow yeah, would like to one. be 30 years old. My then husband had just hit remission of his cancer. This was the year I learned to love him all over again. Cancer changed us. We also lived right across the street from my parents, who are both now deceased. When I needed a cup of tea and advice, my mom was there. When I needed a beer and a joke, dad was there. I miss them all. <laughs> Good memories. Thanks for asking the question, she said, which I thought was a lovely addition. Yeah, Thank I love that, that answer because it's it's about who was part of her life at that time. I really, right. you know what I mean? I, I loved that. I thought that was a really interesting and... Um, I don't know, a, a, a touching sort of um, tribute to the people in, in our life because it really is the people in your life at any given moment that make your life what it is. More well, that's so what I was going to ask you. Yeah, because like How you know, do you think it's that like is? my hair and is really important to me in the morning for 15 minutes while I'm looking in the mirror, and then I don't really think about it again after that for the rest of the day because I'm not looking at it anymore. You know, what's really important in our lives is is so often stuff that we don't pause to think of as being important. So sidelong question, as we build up to your super answer at the end of the episode, right. who do you miss? <laughs> who do you miss the most? Who do I miss the most in, in at this point in my life? Yeah. At this point in who your was life, a part of I my feel life like before, that's that's what we got from Angela's answer is these are people that she really misses very dearly. It's it was very moving. And we can come back to it if you're not ready to answer right now. I have now, to but. say no, I have to say that I that's not really that's not really me. Hmm. Like interesting. I'm not big on like I, I there are aspects of my past that I think were terrible and there are aspects of my past that I think were great. But I don't I don't really carry them forward with me. There are people that I remember very fondly and circumstances that I remember with great joy. There was a group of people that I used to hang out with at the uh, USC Gamecock snack bar at the student union at USC when I was um, a kid. And I loved that. And I loved those people and I loved their. And so that's what I remember. I don't miss them so much as I remember with joy spending the time with them. Does that make sense? It's oh, yeah, like, that makes sense. Yes. I'm not about, I, I try not to be in regret in my life. Well, I, I try. I, you know what? 
Yeah. And missing think, is kind of about regret. Well, right. And I think you, you you can't necessarily carry that moment forward into your life just by keeping that person physically in your life. Like it, it's it's like that that moment is made up of so many other things than the people are key, but it's who they are at that time, who you are at that time. Just because those people are still present today doesn't mean your relationship necessarily has exactly the same right. quality to it. Yeah. I've changed. I'm not the same person I was at the USC Gamecock Snack Bar. I would probably last about 45 seconds in that corner booth um, <laughs> at this point in time before I would get up, overturn the jukebox, and storm out in an angry huff in search of a decent cup of tea and um, <laughs> some, a comfortable place to sit. Right. I mean, it also teases that thing of a question like, "Who do you want this person to stay in your life? A question that implies that your life would be better if the person was still in it also implies going back and changing something about your life. And I don't know if you, but I think Irish people hate that. We're very superstitious about that kind of thing. Like, because if you change one thing, you could change the whole mosaic of your life. Well, but it also involves me saying that there is something wrong with my life now. Right. You know, and that... That also is not something I, I try not to embrace that notion either. This is actually my life. And so I try and love this one because, you know, when I got up this morning, nobody called me and asked me if I'd like a different one. Well, the, <laughs> I'll keep and that's you posted, a whole thing. Though. Yeah, that's a whole. That, that's a whole other kettle of fish. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And that's a, acceptance and surrender are two very important things and two things which define Eric Shaw Quinn. But in the meantime, we're going to talk about Raven Stone because we have a response to the question from her. She would and her pick name her is Raven. And her name is Raven, which is an one awesome of the coolest name. names in the world. I love that name. My mid 20s, Raven says, 25 to be exact. I'd outgrown the drama of childhood. I was just out of college yeah. and the world was a canvas. I knew who I was and what I wanted. I guess you could say that I had finally come into my own heart and mind. That has been some time ago and I've had many milestones since then, but what that was a secure, happy time. So she feels differently about her 20s than I do. I don't know. How do well, you feel about your 20s? I, I think that, well, you know me. Like, I always have a good time. Um... I think there is, in your 20s, it's like the beginning of freedom. You're away from, like you're out of high school. You're probably out of the house and out into the world. And there is a, a liberation in that, mm-hmm. I think, for most of us to, to be, you know, out in the world. Um, it's the, your, our first real address of being an adult. And yet, I, I, back in the olden times, I don't know if it's still true now, but there was this, um, you weren't yet as burdened under the weight of life mm. um, as as maybe you are now, but certainly as you are later in life. Like, there were no mortgages. There was no, like, it was just, I was, okay, done. I remember graduating from college and saying, I'm never going to learn another thing again as long as I live. <laughs> <laughs> Little just, did you know. I just wanted to, you know, it was just that freedom. I can just go and be and do and participate in the world. I love the idea. I love her description of the world as a blank canvas. Like it was really like life is, you know, can be whatever I paint it to be at this point because it's all wide open and I'm not like you start to get into your thirties and it's like, Oh God, what have I accomplished? And you know, like there's the, the baggage builds up over time, but in your twenties, it's just sort of like, yep, anything's still possible. 
Mm-hmm. I, it's too early to have failed yet. <laughs> <laughs> but there is great joy in that. I can totally see. I can totally see that. I love the notion of life as a blank canvas. Although I would posit that you can declare that at any point. Mm-hmm. Yes, very true. Uh, so I, now we have a response from the favored, not favored, one of our favorite party people. We call her our Florida correspondent, Amy Bellino. Uh, <laughs> the, the Florida correspondent. The Florida correspondent. She used to send us our favorite Florida news stories, but right now we don't have Absolutely. any favorite Florida news stories. Love we just that. want them no. to stay home. And maybe she doesn't either. I yes. feel bad for her. But in response to this question, Amy says, I've learned so much each year that it's difficult to pick one age I would like to be forever. 25 was a good year as I was head of marketing at a resort in the Keys and making progress with women in business local groups. But that I was also pretty fabulous, Amy. But she says, I was also young and naive and would not, and this was in capital letters, N-O-T, want to be like that for life. And that's the big, that's the big thing to this question. It's like, right. I would not be the miserable wretch I was when I was in my twenties again, you know, mm-hmm. like there were, there were aspects of me there. I just, I, I would want to know what I know now. Like I just mm-hmm. was, I was too stupid to enjoy it as much as I, as I could have. I, I just, I really get that. I, that part of being 20, I would not want again. Mm-hmm. Okay, this next response, I'm going to say it has an NC-17 rating. So if you're listening with your children in the room or the car, you might want to fast forward through this part. No, no. If you're listening with your children in the room or the car, like, wow, you are really... (laughs) You're the cool mom or dad or whatever. Or how much have you had to drink? Like, wow. (laughs) What were you thinking? Uh... I don't know how to pronounce this name. I think it's Michelle Childress. She would pick 30, and that's because it's the year, and I'm quoting Michelle now, I discovered what my clit was truly capable of. Wow. And of life. And of life, she goes on to say, I was confident that any failure could only teach me, and I was optimistic about everything without being stupid. And see, this is where she's addressing your point without realizing that. And my whole body functioned Flawlessly. That right. is the thing. Tell uh, the story about. I remember that. Tell the story about what your doctor said to you that one time when you went in and <laughs> or something, and, or maybe that was you talking to a friend of ours. Oh no, I th- I believe that I know what we're talking about. Was this the plantar fasciitis story? Yes, please tell the yes. story. Yes, yes. I I my feet were bothering me. I had a I, I really was. It was actually uh, it was beginning to be a real problem. I would wake up lame in the morning. I would have difficulty walking. I I I got a foot. Christopher got me a foot massager called an eye squeeze, which I do every night, and it completely fixed the problem. But at the time, I did not know what was going on, and my feet were really. Really, there was a lot of pain in walking, and I, it was just, I, I don't know what the hell was going on. My feet mm-hmm. needed to be crushed every night um, by these, this giant boot-size um, boot uh, foot massager. Anyway, um, so I went to visit my doctor, 
uh, Tony, Dr. Tony, who um, not only was a cult model, but also is somebody who grew up down the street from me. So we're all practically the same age. I'm about six months older than him. We didn't realize that until he started being my doctor out here, but it really is the truth. Anyway, um, so I, I said, well, I, I'm thinking, so I'm describing it all to him and I'm saying, and I'm thinking that it may be plantar fasciitis. And he says, Hmm. Yeah, it might be. It might be plantar fasciitis, or it could be a case of fifty-year-old foot. Oh! <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, we're really good friends, so I can't kill you." But wow, yeah, that's what happens when your friend is also your doctor, because they can yeah. really like tell. They can tell you a truth in a way a doctor. You know, might have some scruples, but not. But and then you passed it on to me, albeit a bit more gently than that. Where I said, "Yeah, I've got this thing on my leg. It's just a small little. I don't know if it. I've looked. I've googled some photos. I don't. You know, it doesn't seem. And you just said, Christopher, the older you get, you're gonna have a lot more things on your legs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's just this ongoing series of like, and I try and look at it like adolescence was about your body doing all kinds of weird, unexpected, some of them fairly unpleasant and some of them, wow, really pleasant things that it had never done before. And that wasn't a bad thing. And I think getting older is the same. It's just your body is changing and it's doing different things and it does things differently, but it isn't bad. It's just different in the same way that adolescence was just different than the period before. It wasn't bad. It was just different. Well, and also, I just want to extend my condolences to all of Michelle's sex partners that she had before she was 30 years old, because apparently none of them were doing a very good job. <laughs> so she well, traded she up. She doesn't into- define what it was capable of. I mean, maybe like she could like um, leave her body and... <laughs> Fly and maybe it enables her to be an assassin now, and she does carries out operations in foreign countries. Laser beams come out of it. I have no idea. Like the way it says, I had never described what it was capable of. Well, wow. Yeah, I just stayed home, and it went in and made a million dollars a year. Like I don't know. Like. And yeah, that's an interesting name. I'm guessing, I would guess Michael, but maybe Michelle, but it's M-I-C-H-O-L. Well, that's why I was going for Michelle. I was trying to to hit halfway between. Please get in touch with us on Facebook and we will, and and give us the correct pronunciation of your name. And we can issue a formal formal TDPS apology can be issued if I got it wrong. All right. Leigh McLaughlin, 34. No doubt there. She just says, 34, my divorce had become final. I was finally free of the bullshit. My mental health especially was back on track, even though my physical health was in the toilet. This is an answer that's not prioritizing uh, physicality, which is interesting. No, it's mental mental well-being. And she says, if I could be the weight I am today, that would have been perfect at 34. So she's, I think, the first person we've talked about who's saying if she could be physically who she was now at a younger age... That would somehow well, add up to be her. First off, congratulations on that. How terrific yeah. to be at an at your physical ideal now. Later, I don't know when later is. She may be 35 now, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Last year, that would have been my best age. Maybe, maybe, she, but yeah, but like, I think that it's really, um, 
I think that it's wonderful that she is acknowledging there's that wonderful moment when you realize I'm not in a relationship, but I'm also not in a bad relationship. And that's really kind of a great realization. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. Well, our next response, she just tackles, I think, what's at the core of this question right off. Angelina Farmer says, age is only a number. Instead of being an age, I would rather gather up the best parts of me that may have faded or disappeared and merge them with who I've become as of now. Then just keeping those parts I like until I die. Angelina wants it every which way. I get it. Not just body parts, she's saying, but personality, hopes, desires. Absolutely. The world changes you the more you're really part of it. And sometimes it's nice to remember a time when the most important thing in your life was not to fuck up your lines in the music, man. (laughs) (laughs) Right? The simple days. But I think this is the simple days. I don't want to blow your cue. That's a really good answer. That is really a good answer because it's about the best of all possible worlds. And I think it speaks to that notion of like, yeah, it was great to, you know, be able to eat Tupperware and not have an upset stomach, but it was not as great to be such a boob as I was in my 20s, you know, and and to miss chances, fear making me miss chances that I might have taken with the knowledge that I have today. Well, and also I think she's talking about a kind of loss of innocence. I think she's the first response we've talked about that, that, that addresses that. I mean, we've talked a lot about wishing we knew more when we were younger, but she's saying that she's afraid that she's lost hopes and aspirations along the way. And I, I think that, I think, is a quality that you have, Eric Jarquin, that I admire, which is that you have not lost any of that ambition and hope and that that energy that we typically associate with youth. You're a huge bitch in every other area of your life. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Enormous bitch. But I, I took a really hard look at the specs on the growing up thing in the brochure, and I went, and I was like, yeah, nah, hard pass. Like, I there, I just don't see any advantage in growing up. So I just kind of didn't. I just mm-hmm. kind of skipped out on that. It was like, no, I, I don't want to do that. That doesn't sound like um, somebody who I want to be. Mm-hmm. Rebecca Brooke Turner says she would want to be 20 again. This is Rebecca now. You're an adult, sort of, in college or not, but it's before you really take on responsibilities of kids, mortgage, and marriage. Not that I have any of that, she says, yet. (laughs) She's still looking for her Mr. Right, although I would take a Will Truman, (laughs) and I would be his grace as I'm a redhead. So a lot lot of strategery there in in Rebecca's response, but yeah. But a lot of, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, it's that you're not crushed under the burdens of life yet in your 20s. There is is great joy there. 
And to have the wisdom to truly appreciate that, which I think many of us don't in our 20s, um, would really be a gift. I'm going to jump ahead because this was uh, this was a response that I think stands on its own. And then I think my patience is at an end because I want to hear your full response to this question. It is, after all, Ask Eric that we're doing on this episode. I see. Cindy Conforti or Cindy Comforty. 72. She actually is picking last year. She was 72 last year. She would pick it as her ideal age. And Go she says Cindy. this. Each year has brought me new delights and insights, new pleasures, and heightened anticipation of people and events to come. This long life has been crammed full of successes and defeats, satisfactions and losses, and the full range in between. But as I age, I realize that there is not one I would ever want to relive. Each one is full of cherished memories, but I know they would tarnish if revisited. Huh. Wow. Each passing year offers new friendships, new adventures, and yes, the pain of new tears. But even that pain is joyous when shared with loved ones. Ask me again in another 20 years. Maybe I'll change my mind. So she's planning. She wants us to ask her again when she's, oh, God, I'm about to do math. 92, right? 72 to 82. Yeah, 82, yeah. that's correct, I think. But, you know, that's... like we, Christopher and Eric do math is never a great combination. But, but yeah, you know, and I think that is really sort of the winning attitude. It's the loving what you have. You know, it's being blooming where you're planted. It's, it's all of those sorts of notions of, of not being in um, lament of the past or what's lost, but instead enjoying where you actually are mm -hmm. um, in the world. I, you know, good for you, Cindy. That's a great answer. I love that, that sort of notion. All right. It's your turn, Eric Shawquin. We have reached the moment. I need to know. <laughs> this is ask well, Eric. So we are know, asking, do you need me to repeat I, the question? I have been, you know, sort of answering it as we've gone along in many sorts of ways. Like my biggest reaction to it was that thing we discussed right up front, that sense of like, I would want to know what I know now. I would not give up the wisdom of having gotten older um, and go back and be in the, you know, the, the shits with 20 year old Eric if I... If I was given a choice, that doesn't seem desirable to me. There are many aspects of my life along the way. I loved the answer of the amalgam, mm -hmm. you know, of taking the different pieces. I can't remember who said that, but taking the different pieces, parts of your life and and combining them into um, sort of a notion. I, I will tell you this. I always, when I was a kid, um, I always wanted to be 45, why? Like when we, when we were playing a game or when whatever, I was always 45. That was always the age that I pitched. I wanted to be 45. I think like the notion in my head as I looked at it then was that I would be past a lot of the obstacles in life and to a kind of prime territory where I could really fully begin to enjoy and appreciate life without a lot of the... Um, sort of preliminary qualifying rounds that you have to go through in earlier life. I, I think in, in many ways, it was interesting to me actually turning 45 because I had always, as a kid, that had been my ideal age. And, and it, it had some impact on me. And I, I guess I, I felt positive about um, being 45 because I was coming at it from that kind of place. But I have really been the person who has enjoyed 
the life that he is having. I love Cindy's answer there at the end, that notion of last year being my favorite year. But I love that notion of including, and you gave me some credit, you know, like I have not, I have not really connected to age in a traditional way. I have not connected really to the, the idea of acting like I'm 61 years old. That's how old I am, right? Um, I don't remember. I just, you were timeless to me, Eric Shaw Quinn. I, I, I don't know. I, and that's, and to me, that's kind of the point. Like it's the, it's, I am, I try and be the kind of person that I would love to be wherever mm-hmm. I am in time. And, and age is not really a part of that. I, I don't really see how age has any impact on that. I know more miserable 20 year olds than miserable 60 year olds, you know, mm-hmm. like I, 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 when I meet people or, um, date, when you date people, people will often say, you know, uh, how old are they? And I, I almost never know. Cause it never really occurs to me to ask because it would be like saying, how much do they weigh? Like, mm-hmm. I, it's just a statistical kind of thing about them. It's not really, it doesn't actually tell you anything about them. Right. It's right? not very revelatory. Met, yeah, totally. Right. You've met but the brilliant, me... accomplished, um, mature 20 year old and the, the childish, miserable 55 year old. Like I, I don't see how age has impacted either of those things. It's about how you react to where you are in the world, not where you are in the world. Yeah. And I think there's one thing about our lives in particular that compounds that, which is we're in professions where there are, there's not a clear series of benchmarks that you hit. Like in our professions, you either explode and you're Ryan Murphy or Shonda Rhimes, or you're making a go of it and doing a bunch of other things and trying to pursue any opportunity that comes your way. It's not like we're working our way up to senior management or we have these built-in tent poles in our lives that say, you have passed this point. You know, All of that, I think, is illusory as well. But because we operate in that world, it it sort of, uh, I think, makes us more open to that idea of untethering from those benchmarks that aren't actually very insightful or revelatory about who we are as people. But I want to ask you a question about something you said, which is you said you liked 45 as an ideal age when you were younger because it was in your mind it would allow you to skip some of the preliminary stuff what was the what were the preliminary things you wanted to skip what seemed at that moment like oh god i really don't want to you know oh you know school um <laughs> training courses uh probationary hiring periods like mm-hmm. all of the there's a lot of i didn't necessarily want to skip those but i just saw that by the time you got to be 45 you would kind of have already gotten past a lot of those qualifying rounds right. and you could be actually participating you you would be more fully functioning as your as yourself i was a i think i was probably i was a bright kid in my own way i you know i wasn't a rocket scientist or anything but but i felt very um held back by a lot of the um the processes of of and uh requirements of growing up school was always sort of like a delay. It well, seemed talk, to but me. Talk uh, about that because you're so smart. Like, and so what was it about school that felt like it was a delay? Like, I mean, I imagine in some areas you were thriving in school. I guess. I mean, I guess I did okay in school. I, I, I was never an amazing student or anything. It just in large measure, I think I was an amazing student when I found whatever they were talking about. Interesting. You were, there was lots of just, 
it seemed to me sort of um, unnecessary exercises that you were going through that I, that I just didn't enjoy. I didn't like, it was, it was very structured. It was very rigorous. It was very repetitive. Um, I, I was not well received by the other students and by a lot of teachers, you know, mm. like you can imagine what this personality was like to deal with as uh, an educator. I, I enjoy watching, um, the, the interactions of that kid, um, that Ian Armitage kid on, uh, Young Sheldon, right? Right. Yeah. I tried to capture it some in writing uh, for writing Scott, the the child in Say mm-hmm. Uncle. That sort of notion of being baffled by the way that adults treated and addressed children. There's a moment in Say Uncle where he says, "So let me get this straight. <laughs> um, I can't get out the book in color when." Uh, when I want to, and when it's uh, time to go outside, I have to go. I can't remember the exact <laughs> quote, but he's he's just being sort of he's just being stupefied by the, the this ridiculous set of rules that he's being um, uh, saddled with by this teacher in this classroom setting, and he, he just can't really understand. Like, why is it that I have to color when you tell me to color, but I can't color when I want to color, and I have to go outside when you tell me to go outside, but if I want to go outside, I can't go. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, And that was kind of the nature of who I was as a kid, how I felt. It was like, why are you talking to me like this? You were questioning authority, but were there ever any moments where authority answered back in a respectful and sophisticated way that sort of brought you around to their way of thinking about a rule in particular? I got hit in the mouth a lot. Um, I can't. Oh, no, no. I can't. That was usually the source. I got hit in the mouth a lot because um, that was where the the voice was coming from. Mm. I, You know, I, I have to say I... I'm not sure I really had that experience um, as a young person. I think it was part of the reason that made me want to catapult past that because I I didn't really get understood Mm -hmm. um, in that way along the way. There were were some some teachers that were better than others. I remember I had a chemistry teacher in high school who said to my mother, well, you just have to treat Eric special, don't you? Um, You know, which was like, okay, well, that works for me. Um, So I think there was some, I think there was always some grudging respect for me because it was, it was rather astonishing to have this very adult young child um, addressing people as equals. But, but I never really got to a place where it was like, I didn't mind the the authority. I, I guess it was, it was less about rebelling against authority. It was the fact that the authority was refusing to be, to hear me. I did not like not being heard. It felt unjust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, not to be, I asked you a lot of questions about this because I think when we were younger, we had almost, we had very similar personalities, but I was in a radically different educational environment. Not the entire time. I changed environments when I was around 10 years old. I went from, Montessori-esque, hippie, liberal, Northern California, lesbian teachers called them by their first names. Feel good, no grades, as one of my ex-boyfriends called it when I described it to him. And then I went to a sort of, um, you know, upper middle class Episcopal school. There were there were environments where some degree of individuality was accommodated for to a greater extent than it sounds like the environment that you were in. And so 
when I questioned things, there was some, in the way that it sounds like you did, there was some attempt to make it clear what the thinking was behind the structure and behind the rules. And there was, and I would have appreciated that. Good for you. That's wonderful for them. Like I always ask the question in math, why? And nobody would ever answer me. And I I was a terrible math student because I didn't get it. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted somebody to tell me why does multiplying both sides times X, what does that mean? How does that, why is that a thing? Like, so if you were getting those kinds of qualitative answers, I think you got a better education as a result. Yeah. I, Did I mean, you but, have an age that you would that you would pick? Did you in answer to this question? I'm, I'm really I think I sort of answered um, slyly earlier without saying that it was my answer, but that I am very superstitious on the topic of this question, because I feel like it's like when as an author, when people say, what's your favorite book? And you're like the one I'm promoting right now. Like, yeah. Because I am an uh, essentially we are entrepreneurs, which means I, we're, we have to be self-starters and we, we run our own lo- businesses in our own lives. We always have to be giving everything we have to right now, you know, and from a spiritual perspective, it's very difficult to be fully present to do that. But that's always so I'm always like I'm trying to give my all to my age right now. Um, I will say that I was very relieved to put behind a lot of the aspects of youth. And that shocks a lot of people who talk to me because I had a lot of career success at a very early age. But that was accompanied by a complete absence of some life skills that I really needed to emotionally and psychologically manage that success and right. manage that experience. And I would like to say I'm of the person, well, if I had that experience now with the wisdom and maturity I had now, it would go a lot better. But you can say that about anything as these answers make clear. So I would answer that I'm pretty happy being 41. Oh God, I'm 42. Never mind. The answer's last year. It's 41. I didn't realize I was 42. It's the pandemic's fault. My birthday happened. Our birthdays happened right at the dawn of the pandemic. Um, so I, I'm not sure I would pick an ideal age. Like I, w- I would defer the question. I think that I, I would not want to return to what I see as the emotional instability and fragility of being in my twenties by any stretch. Yes. I don't care how twinky I was. I don't, it's just, there's no, uh-uh. Yeah. There's some body parts that I would wish worked better than they do now. But other than that, you know, I'm, I'm actually pretty happy with, um, with my life. Like I, I wouldn't be where I am now if I hadn't done the things that I did that got me here. That no. you know, Irish superstition notion there or what, I think that's just a really sort of, real look at the way that the world unfolds around us. Well, it's also a science fiction trope, right? You see the time traveler go back in time and he moves one thing two inches and then he returns to the future and Kennedy is president and there are dinosaurs <laughs> in the streets. <laughs> well, you know what I say about going back in time. What? Not one minute before penicillin and air conditioning. <laughs> That's what every... I went to a book event for a, a historical no ro- romance author, uh, Beverly Jenkins. She's uh, also a very prominent African-American romance author, and she's a master of the one-liner like you are. And she said the exact same thing because she writes optimistic, hopeful romances that center on black characters during times in history where things were not on balance very good. For, oh, for black no, people. Yeah. And, but she said, and someone said, would you like to go back in time? And she's like, first of all, I write about eras in which slavery was legal. So no. But she said, not a minute before penicillin. I don't think she said it in exactly those words, but it was pretty close. Yeah. Not a minute before penicillin or and air conditioning. Like, and air just, conditioning. I right. just do not want to be a part of that. I No. 
you know, I feel like I almost kind of was. So <laughs> when when did air conditioning enter your youth? Well, it was it was very sporadic when I was young. Like there was no air conditioning in my school until mm. I was, I think, in high school. I think that was oh, the first God. time I had South. been to a school that was in the South and air conditioning. So yeah, so there and there in my house there was like two rooms: my parents' bedroom and the kitchen were air conditioned, and the rest of the place was an oven. Now, mm. when we moved into the trailer which is oh. very glamorous. One of the upsides was it had central air conditioning. It was the first time we ever had central air conditioning because otherwise it would have been like being a baked potato, mm -hmm. which we experienced when the air conditioner broke in Clinton, Louisiana in the summertime um, mm -hmm. in the, in the South. And it was, you know, you couldn't just call somebody to come fix something because they were a thousand miles away or whatever. So, so yeah, it was I consistent air conditioning was not something that arrived in my life until I don't know, my 20s. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm okay. Well, we're going to do a whole episode about the history of air conditioning and Eric's relationship to air conditioning because that was a that was a fraught little narrative you told there. That that was Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. And they would make us go outside. They would be mm -hmm. like, "Okay, you know, Go outside. Go find something to do. I, it is why I believe I fell in love with the movies because yes. the Cane River Theater was air-conditioned in Natchitoches. And mm -hmm. so I would go buy a ticket. I would raise the money. I don't know, taking back Coke bottles or whatever I did um, in the morning. And then I would just go in, pay my ticket, and just watch the movie over and over again all day long um, because it was air-conditioned. Speaking of watching stuff, thanks for setting up that transition as we close out this episode, Eric Shaquin. Um, we are returning next week with another installment of Christopher and Eric's True Crime TV Club. Yay! Uh, here is our usual disclaimer. Our job at True Crime TV Club is to serve up an hour and sometimes longer of a true crime documentary for you. So you do not need to watch it before you listen to our episode on it. However, if you would like to, we always give you the information beforehand. We are doing an episode of a little show called Murder in Paradise. If you are, in particular, an Amazon subscriber, do not confuse it with Death in Paradise, which is actually a British scripted crime show that has very similar branding and a similar title. Murder in Paradise, uh, season one, episode six. The episode title is French Kiss of Death. <laughs> 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 Twirl your mustaches, if you will. Absolutely. I don't know much French, or I'd make a joke in French here. Yes, um, no, but we wouldn't. I wouldn't understand you, so it wouldn't make any difference. Absolutely. Yeah, that's terrific. And the other thing is that if should you want to actually ask Eric something, you can write to Eric at thedinnerpartyshow.com. And, uh, you know, should I get, you don't have to, and it's under no obligation, <laughs> but should I actually get any emails there at Eric at thedinnerpartyshow.com? Um, I would be happy to answer them. Please be sure and say if you want it to be held anonymously or not, because I don't want to say your name on the air if you don't want me to. And, and also, otherwise, we, thank you for doing what I forgot to do, which was this promo. But also, as we talked about, we want to let people know that the email address is not the only way they can ask questions of you. They're welcome to do it on our Facebook page as well. We Anytime. put the email address out there so that you can remain anonymous if you would like to. Right. 
But otherwise, yeah, you could just ask on the Facebook page. Or if you don't want my opinion, you know, as I always say, don't ask. <laughs> they might be afraid after listening. They want your opinion of other people. They're not going to write with their own prompts. <laughs> like, I need you to weigh in on this stupid shit my mother's doing so I can play the podcast yeah. for her in the kitchen. Right? It's like when I got that job reviewing theater and people, all of my actor friends were like, well, that's it. I'm out of the business. I quit. <laughs> well, that's all the time that we've decided we have for this episode, the length of which we have determined on our own <laughs> so we're gonna wrap it up here <laughs> or uh, we'll just go on and on forever i'm christopher rice and i'm eric shaw quinn and you've been listening to tdps presents christopher and eric thanks This is TDPS.